Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salamu ala mabhuthi rahmatan lil alameen Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Amma ba'd faqad qala Allahu tabarak wa ta'ala fil Qur'anil majid wal furqanil hamid Ba'd a'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim bismillahir rahmanir rahim Man amila salihan min dhakarin aw untha wa huwa mu'minun falanuhiyanna wa hayatan tayyiba Sadaqallahu maulanil azim Amma ba'd assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh in the Mathnawi of Alama Jalaluddin Rumi rahimahumullah, he has quoted and he has presented various parables and stories. And amongst the various anecdotes that he has presented, one is of a person who was sitting by a tattooer. And he had asked the tattooer to tattoo a lion for him. Now the tattooing process is obviously a painful one because there's a needle that has to penetrate into the skin. And as the tattooer started tattooing the lion, he asked him, what are you tattooing now? And he said, the, the mane of the lion. So he said, oh, it's too painful, just leave the mane out. So he continued. So he, then he, as he continued, he asked him, what are you doing now? So he said, I'm doing the tail. He said, oh, this is too painful, leave the tail out. Uh, as he continued, he asked him, what are you doing now? He says, I'm doing the paw. He says, ah, this is too painful. Just leave the, the paw out. In the end, when they looked at the tattoo, it didn't resemble a lion, nor it even resemble a kitten. It was something totally disformed. And the lesson that we draw from this is that in our lives, everything has a place, a position. And only when we have everything in perfect harmony, that is when we can live fulfilling, contented lives that will give us a sense of uh, attainment and fulfillment. Now, the thing is that when we focus on one area and omit other areas, that is when we have a disproportional, imbalanced life. And everything needs to be in its particular place according to what is the demand of the Sharia. When the Muslimin had made hijrah from Makkah al-Mukarramah to Medina al-Munawwara. Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa created brotherhoods between various Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa created a brotherhood between Sayyidina Salman radiallahu anhu and Sayyidina Abu Darda radiallahu anhu. They were two brothers. Uh, the one was from outside, the one was from inside. One was from outside Makkah, from outside Medina. The other one was from Medina al-Munawwara. And they assisted each other, supported each other. They would meet each other and they would discuss things, they would spend time together. So on one occasion, Sayyidina Salman anhu visits the home of Sayyidina Abu Darda. And as he enters the home, he immediately notices from the distance, from the outward appearance, he notices that Ummi Darda is looking disheveled. So he asks her, Masha Nuki, what is the problem? So she replies and says, your brother Abu Darda, dunya. he has no interest in this world. So when someone says, no, I have no interest in this world, we think of it as a praise already, that, you know, I've given up the dunya already. Anyway, as time goes by, Abu Darda was in the home, he then comes to the house. And they present to Sayyidina Salman some hospitality, something to eat. Sayyidina Salman says, I won't eat until you eat. Sayyidina Abu Darda says, I'm fasting. He says, no, I insist that part of the right of the guest is that if you're fasting, and it's enough you'll fast, then you should break your fast and uh, make the uh, guest comfortable. So he breaks his fast and he eats with him. 
And the day goes by like that. The two of them are together. As they enter into the night, Sayyidina Abu Darda now wants to start with his Tahajjud Salah from early evening. And Sayyidina Salman tells him, no, go sleep now. Again, he wakes up, he says, go back to sleep. Then when it's close to the crack of dawn, close to Fajr time, now he tells him, Qum fasalli. Now you stand up and you perform your Tahajjud Salah. And then Sayyidina Salman tells Sayyidina Abu Darda, Inna li rabbika alayka haqqa, wa inna li jasadika alayka haqqa, wa inna li ahlika alayka haqqa, fa'ati kulla haqqin haqqahu. Indeed, your Rabb has a right. Your family has a right. Your body has a right. Give each its appropriate right. And in that is the perfection of the deen of Islam. When we look at the right of Allah upon us, then Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, while he was governor of uh, 14 countries, what we could say today, he wrote to the governors and he said, Inna ahamma amrikum indi as-salah. The most important of all your matters is salah. Man hafidhaha wa hafidha alayha hafidha deena kulla. Whoever takes care of salah, hafidhaha wa hafidha alayha, is particular about it. Hafidha deena kulla. That person will protect the entire deen. That person's deen will be in order. Waman dhayya'aha. And whoever is negligent with regards to salah, فَهُوَ لِمَا سِوَاهَا أَضْيَعَ Then that negligence will manifest in other areas to a similar extent. Imam Ghazali rahimahumullah has said that essentially there are five core acts of worship that we need to focus on in terms of your personal worship. The first is your salah. The second is recitation of the noble Quran the third is dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the fourth is dua and the fifth is tafakkur and tadabbur taking our time to reflect to meditate to contemplate and this essentially forms your own personal spirituality that each person ought to have some sort of a routine and a regime in terms of the salah that you perform, how you perform it in the masjid. In a day, there are basically 11 salahs that we should strive for. Starting off with the tahajjud salah, then the fajr, ishraq, chast, the sunnah after the zawal, dhuhr, asr, maghrib, awabin, isha, witr. And if you can, again, tahajjud after isha, again. Three levels to the tahajjud salah. To make tahajjud immediately after Isha. To make tahajjud before you sleep. And to make tahajjud in the early hours of the morning. So this is on your personal level. How you should be growing and should be progressing. وَجْعَلِ الْحَيَاةَ زِيَادَةً فِي كُلِّ خَيْرٍ In the hadith, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked Allah. And these du'as are to teach us that in all these aspects, there should be a continuous upward trajectory that in terms of our salah, the quality ought to be improving all the time. We ought to be increasing in the quality and quantity. In terms of the dhikr, we should have a dedicated time for that on a daily basis. In terms of dua, you know, we've 
restricted it to the few words that we say after salah. Whereas have a few moments to, through the day and at least once a week, wake up early in the morning on a Thursday night and make dua for half an hour, for one hour. So these are the aspects of one's personal spirituality. And your body has a right upon you. And what does this mean? It means that we need to take care of our body. Our body is in amana. And there's two aspects to this. In the verse of the Noble Quran, Allah Rabbul says, Eat from the pure things that we have provided for you. From the pure things. There was a doctor who moved into the city of Medina Tul Munawwara. And at that time, people followed the prophetic traditions to the T. And he found that there was no use for him. And one of the great pious people of the past, they said that Allah Rabbul Izza has encapsulated the essence of medicine in not even a full verse, half a verse. Kulu washrabu wala tusrifu. Eat, drink, and don't be wasteful. And if you look at our own society community, most of the sicknesses that are prevalent are as a result of the type of digest, the type of food that we consume, our diet. And when we are moderate in this regard, we tend to eat too much processed meat, or we don't eat a balance of vegetables as well as you know fruit and healthy alternatives to just going with a fast-paced life and consuming all the easily accessible foods that we have. So we've been instructed in the verse of the Noble Quran to eat from the pure things. And together with that, also to take care of our body. In the hadith, the Messenger وسلم, said, The strong mu'min is more beloved and better to Allah than the one who is weak. And that is obviously by taking care of our body. Like someone went for a checkup by the doctor. And after an extensive diagnosis, the doctor told him that you have diabetes. So he replied and he said, you know, I think it runs in our family. So the doctor said, no, the problem is no one runs in your family. So taking care of our body, as they say these days, personal care. You know, this is part of our holistic development. That a person should have some focus in this regard also because your body is an amana. And Sayyidina Ali anhu said, That the, body, the heart tires like the body tires. And therefore, engage in light-hearted activity with the objective of refreshing oneself for the sake of worship and ibadah. The third point that Sayyidina Salman anhu had said, And your family has a right upon you. So one needs to have dedicated effort in this regard to fulfill the rights of one's family, to spend quality time with one's family, to engage in activities that will connect and will bond you as a family. Nothing in this world or anything that is worthy or any good thing in this world 
becomes insignificant if you don't have friends and family to enjoy that with you. And when we say we don't have time for family, essentially it's not the fact that you don't have time, it's the fact that what you are being called towards is not high enough on your priority lifts. If it was high enough, then you'd make the time. And that is where we tend to uh, we tend to be disconnected from one another. We tend to live parallel lives. As the new academic year starts off and each one gets caught in their own activity, we sort of live in our own bubble. And the only time that we connect with one another is when we're sitting in the home and everyone's connected to the same Wi-Fi. Like this father who said that, you know, I'm at home and I ask water and there's no response. So eventually I came up with an idea. I put it on the family WhatsApp group, water, and five people come out from their rooms with a glass of water. So we've become disconnected in, real, in, real, in the real way and more connected in terms of technology. Whereas that real life connection can never be substituted. And that is what we need to understand, that it is your spirituality on the one side, it is your own personal care, taking care of yourself on the other side. It is your family on the other end. And this is what creates that harmony in our lives. What we need to understand is that as we live in this world, we will go through different circumstances. And sometimes we are caught into this idea of waiting and expecting some sort of a perfect life for ourselves. We charter out in our minds a life with certain milestones at certain points and we work into that and when things don't unfold as we expect, then it is as though our whole life has been derailed. Then we are totally devastated. But what we need to understand that as long as you are living in this world, things will not unfold as per your grand plan. There will be conditions, there will be circumstances that will be out of your control. So, what happens is not entirely within your capacity. Sometimes, you know, a, per, a man, his daughter will get divorced, son will meet in an accident, someone will fail an exam, uh, there will be a loss of income, investment that goes bad. These things are part and parcel of life. And it is not avoiding it, you can't avert it, but it is how you deal with it and how you live with it how you deal with it and how you live with it. If we look at the life of the Messenger وسلم, and in his lifetime, or even before, before he emerges into this world, his father passes away. As a young boy, his mother passes away. He takes the uh, support in the under the guardianship of his uncle, his uncle passes away. Uh, his first wife, Sayyidah Khadija, passes away. Then subsequent to that, a number of his children pass away. So there was multiple setbacks. If you look at one particular juncture, and this is after the Battle of Badr. Now, if you understand the context of the Battle of Badr, where the Muslims were in Makkatul Mukarramah, they were oppressed, they were being tortured and tormented. Uh, eventually, it comes to the point where there's a showdown between the Muslims and the Kuffar. And the Kuffar set out with the agenda, with the purpose of annihilating Islam entirely. And Nabi Sallallahu the night before Badr, he makes such a dua and he says, Ya Allah, if this group has to be annihilated, then perhaps you will never be worshipped again. Under this backdrop, Nabi Sallallahu making dua, 
and Allah Rabbul Izzah grants victory to the Muslims in Badr. But as Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is returning to Madinatul Munawwara after the Battle of Badr, he is greeted by the news that his daughter Sayyidah Ruqayyah radiallahu ta'ala anha has passed away. She has succumbed to her sickness, which was even before this, and that is why Sayyidina Uthman could not participate in the Battle of Badr. It was a mighty victory. It was something greatly sought after. It was something that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had made dua for. It was something that he desired. It was the very people that were troubling him, tormenting him. But, and, and he got that victory. And it was a moment of happiness. And while he was in that happiness of the victory of Badr, he returns to the sadness that his daughter had passed on. And that is life in this world. There is no absolute state. Absolute happiness we desire it will never be achieved. There is no absolute sadness also. Our life is interchanging between these various conditions. And someone passed away, then there's a marriage after that coming up. There's a birth of a child. Someone made an accident, then at the same time there's some good news that something positive has happened. And we're constantly within these conditions that are changing around us. Allah Rabbul Izzah says, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي كَبَدٍ That man has been created to toil in this world. So there will be conditions that are adverse, that conditions that we don't like, that we would have preferred not to. But it is within these conditions, what is our attitude? How do we see it? How do we deal with it? How do we approach it? That is of utmost importance. And it is unfortunate that as humans, you know, we only appreciate things retrospectively. So we appreciate company when we've got to endure loneliness. We, we appreciate good health once we've experienced sickness, bad health. We appreciate wealth when the wealth has been taken away from us. Like one of these motivational speakers said that these days we have wider highways but narrower viewpoints. We have taller buildings, yet shorter tempers. We buy things we don't need, with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. We have guided missiles with misguided people. So that is the paradox of the world that we live in. Someone came to Mullah Nasruddin and asked him that, oh Mullah, through your wisdom, tell us, you know, what is the secret to happiness? So Mullah said, Good judgment. So the person asked, how do you attain good judgment? So Mullah said, through experience. So the person asked then, how do you get experience? So he said, through bad judgment. So it takes the opposite for us to appreciate what we have. And therefore we are reminded in the hadith, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam reminded us, Ightanim khamsan qabla khamsin. Value five things before five things. Value your health before sickness. Value your wealth. Value your good, uh, you know, your youth before old age. These are the things that we need to value. And what is robbing us? And what is depriving us of living a fulfilling life? And not having that sense of contentment. Very often in the world that we live in is the social media. Comparison is a thief of joy. And very often, you know, we sort of benchmark ourselves to others. 
We look at others. That person was able to go for multiple Umrah trips. Those people went to Turkey in the, in the holidays. This person bought a new car. So this is something, if we get caught in this, then we, there will always be a sense of lacking within ourselves. We'll always find that we're wanting, that we don't have, and that we're waiting for something to happen. And uh, with social media and the status updates, and we follow other people's lives, and we look at what they're posting, and that sort of creates some sort of a sadness in our heart when we cannot live up to that. And many times we look at other people's lives and we think, this person is so wealthy, this one has so much. Walk a mile in that man's shoes and you understand his challenges. Everyone has their own peculiar conditions. No one's life is perfect. When you sit with a person, you'll find that the challenges they have is in a different form. Your challenges are in a different form. Allah says, We will certainly test you. And the test will come in different ways. So if we want to live a fulfilling life in this world, then what is that? The essence of it is that we need to have balance. We need to understand and we need to work on our relationship with Allah. We need to take care of our bodies in terms of exercise, in terms of looking after our health. We need to make dedicated time for our family. We need to also understand that in this world, there is no perfection. And that we need to lower our expectations with regards to our worldly life. And the fifth point, that we need to stop comparing ourselves to others. And compare yourself to your own self. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I wasn't married. Now I'm married. I didn't have children. Now I have children. I didn't have a car. Now I have a car. When you compare yourself to your own self and what has happened in your life, then you'll find that there's something to make shukr for. When you compare yourself to others, then you'll always find yourself lacking. Always look at those on a lower level. Don't look at those on a higher level because then it is likely that you will undermine the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a contented and fulfilling life is not in attaining all that you want, all that you desire, all that you think would bring it to you, but rather in appreciating all that you have and having a balanced approach to all the different facets of your life.